Working Wellness Podcast. My name is Barry Strickoff, Registered Dietitian. And I am Sophie Bertrand, Registered Nutritionist. And we are so excited to say that this episode is sponsored by Wool and the Gang. And I think Barry is especially excited because we all know how obsessed she is with knitting. Yeah, so I'm literally thrilled that Wool and the Gang is sponsoring this episode of the Forking Wellness Podcast. So Wool and the Gang is a DIY fashion brand, um, so they're powered by the maker movement. They responsibly and sustainably source the best quality yarns with minimum environmental impact. Their kits are designed at their London studio and are known for their fashion-forward style. And making our own clothes isn't just great for the planet, but it's also good for our mental health. So 68% say because they said it helped ease their stress and anxiety, which is amazing. And I actually have some clients who knit as well, and they find it really therapeutic. Yeah, I mean, I've, like, said this a million times on this podcast. I sound like a broken record, but, like, it has truly, truly been, like, such a good coping strategy for me, um, especially in this time. So what you can do on their website is you can buy, like, the um, the needles and the yarns and, like, the patterns separately, or they do these, like, great kits so you get everything together, and they have them separated by different categories, so, like, beginner, intermediate, easy, etc. So you can get something that is perfect for you, whether you're like an experienced knitter or you want to try it out. So Wool and the Gang has kindly gifted I gifted both Sophie and I um, one of their new blankets called the Wrap Up Blanket. And it's great because it uses their signature crazy sexy wool, which is really, really chunky, which means that it knits up really quickly. So I think on the instructions it says that the whole blanket will take seven hours. So if you devote an hour a day, you could have an amazing blanket in a week, which sounds great to me. So if you guys use code ForkingWellness15, then you'll get 15% off your first purchase. Yeah, they make for great gifts as well. Totally. Especially like sending someone a gift at this time if they're like lonely or if they're struggling. It can be a really nice gesture. Nice little self-care activity. Totally. All right, so let's get into today's episode. I am really excited about this one. Hey, and I I don't know, like we might have a bit of a debate. I'm not sure. I hope we do. I like... (laughs) I hope we do as well, but I feel like we have similar views. However, when we um, recorded our intuitive eating episode, which by the way, is like our most popular episode now. Yeah. Have you seen the stats? Yeah. Really interesting. Um, And again, we had like a little bit of a debate on that episode. So I feel like this one... We could always almost call it like a part two, but we dive more into like the driving factors behind why we eat. Yes, definitely. So I guess we'll talk, just like open up the conversation a bit about what drives food choices. So I mean, there's a lot more than just these two things. It's quite polarizing. But when we really narrow down to it, I think two of the most important factors for choosing why we eat the foods we do are nutrition or perceived nutrition quality to the benefits versus the taste. And obviously there's things like economics and availability and things like that that are also factors. But I really want to talk about the importance of taste versus quality. Yeah, we're going to zone in on those two factors. Um, We are aware that there are other factors, but this episode is going to focus solely on those two, I think. Yeah, and I think that it's not an answer of like, oh, taste always wins or nutrition always wins. Like, I don't think it's a black and white. I think there is a spectrum 
and like at different stages or whatever the situation is you'll fall differently on that spectrum of like taste to um quality but I just think it's really interesting to get other people's opinions on what motivates them to eat same like when I was so probably up until the age of 15 the sole thing that drove my decision to what I was going to eat was just taste I never even took into account nutrition and then obviously when I hit my teens and I started to think about like dieting and my weight it was then just like calories how healthy got like quotation uh, quotes (laughs) going on uh, how healthy I thought the food was um and then it was kind of like a confusing time (laughs) yeah I definitely agree with that that I think in early years it was definitely always taste and then environment and you know the media makes you or especially for us like young teenage girls like it was warped and then to come out on the other side it's kind of like a confusing thing like do you go back to taste like we're both nutritionists we have nutrition knowledge what impact does that have on our food choices yeah definitely and it's like if you have a slice of cake I I guess with like the work I do now I like to find nutritional value in everything but like you know if you have a slice of cake a lot of people would argue that's not healthy that's bad for you actually it's providing your body with energy and satisfaction yeah so it's probably that like perception of energy and satisfaction that you have like whether it comes from a place of like acceptance or whether it comes out of a place of like fear yeah and hopefully this episode will actually change the way people think about food in a more positive way definitely i hope so Okay, so my big debate, and I've told you about this before, is when I'm at work, we have a dark chocolate draw because, you know, we're a health conscious company. Um, We help people make um, healthy lifestyle changes. So it's kind of that practice what we preach method. So the draw is full of dark chocolate only, which is fine. I love dark chocolate. But as you know, from previous episodes, I draw the line at 86. Um, Whereas I go up to 92. (laughs) Exactly. So, like, when people eat 90% dark chocolate, I'll always ask them, like, do you actually like the taste of it? Or are you just eating it because it's healthier? And so often I get the response of, well, the more you eat it, the more you get used to it. And then my rebuttal is always, should we be choosing to eat something that you have to get used to the taste of? Like, should it, shouldn't we choose foods that we actually like instead of things that we're, like, forcing ourselves to have? Because, like the perceived additional antioxidants Mm. so my answer here is if you you know if you don't really enjoy it and you're just eating it for the antioxidants there are other foods that contain antioxidants that you might prefer totally I think I think people like zone you know if you read an article like Google's so renowned for this it will be like our top six foods that you know, boost your antioxidant intake, and then dark chocolate will be listed on there. So people are like, oh, okay, dark chocolate is a good food to eat. But they don't really think about the fact that the reason dark chocolate's on that list is because it's high in antioxidants, but you can get those antioxidants from other foods, such as simply fruit and veg. Yeah, totally. And then I think the way I think about it is I rather have a piece of like, and I do like dark chocolate, so I shouldn't say, but I like like a 75. I rather have a piece of like 75 dark chocolate when I feel like it than Mm -hmm. feeling like almost, I think people feel like it's, if it's 90%, they can have more than they want. So it's that kind of thing. It's like, do you want 90% dark chocolate every single day? Or do you want milk chocolate every now and then when you feel like it? But I feel like 
the kind of diet culture has made it like super acceptable and then people use it as their like I don't know habits or coping shot I don't know do you know what I'm trying to say yeah totally I used to when I was in my early 20s I would never eat chocolate below 80 percent and that's why it's so crazy isn't it and when I met Ash he told me the same he was like you know I only eat 90 percent chocolate and I was like oh my god same like it's so much healthier <laughs> we we actually discovered together um very early on in our relationship that we were obsessed with white chocolate and I yeah. so remember when we both we had like a square of the green and black's white chocolate not sponsored wish it was um that <laughs> <laughs> um if we both like had a square of this white chocolate we were like oh my god like that is the most like amazing taste ever and ever since then just like I'm gonna have white chocolate whenever I feel like it because it's just that satisfying totally and I completely agree with that I just think that you know I think maybe for so long we've been driven to make choices for maybe nutrition value and then when you open yourself up to the taste it's like why was I forcing myself to eat this if I didn't or it's you still might like it but you not might not like it as much as something else yeah Totally. I actually do enjoy 90% sometimes, but I said to you before we recorded this, that some, like on my food shop, sometimes I'll be like, oh, I fancy 90% this time. And then other times I'm like, I feel like something a little bit sweeter. So I'm just going to go for like a milk chocolate or a 70. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Sometimes I go into the supermarket and I come out with an 80% dark chocolate. Sometimes I don't buy chocolate at all. Sometimes I just am not, it doesn't even appear, like, I don't even see it in the shops because I'm not thinking about it. Does that make sense? And then I don't think I've ever done a shop and not bought a chocolate (laughs) bar. And then sometimes I walk out with, like, um, more, like, gummy things, like Haribo's, or sometimes I don't get anything. Sometimes I'll get ice cream sometimes. You know, I just think that maybe it, like, if you're so focused and trying to be, like, the healthiest version of yourself, then, like that 90% seems so much more worth it than something else. But when you take the satisfaction part of it, then I think, I think it just becomes like a warped tunnel vision. Yeah, definitely. But what about your like date? So take chocolate out of it. Cause I think mm-hmm. that's a really good example, but it's not the only example. Like yeah. your everyday food choices, are they driven by nutrition like in the sense that like you want to make sure you get a balance and hit your five a day, et cetera, or are they driven by taste? So I always have this conversation with my sister because we both love our plant-based foods. So not, not necessarily just fruit and veg, but like all the kinds of beans and pulses and lentils and nuts and seeds and things like that. They're like big staples in my diet. And if I were counting the amount of plant foods I ate a day, it would probably be around 10 to 12 most days. Um, but and when I think about it, I feel good eating those foods and I enjoy the taste. So yeah, I know that nutritionally they are, you know, valued and they're a good, good thing to add into my diet to make sure that I'm getting, you know, adequate amount of nutrition and micronutrients, but I genuinely love the taste and I, I play around with them. It's like I have clients come to me and they just want to eat boiled veg because they think that's healthier. Whereas Mm -hmm. actually adding some olive oil and roasting them up with some salt and pepper in the oven, that's so much more tasty. And that's like a nice... It's kind of like finding that balance of like making healthy, whatever healthy means, healthy food tastes good at the same time. Yeah, I do think um, that was interesting with the olive oil because I do think that makes it taste better. And then you do have that balance of, you know, nutrition and 
satisfaction. So again, if I think about that like spectrum, so one end is satisfaction or taste and the other is nutrition. Like I would think that I'd like to think that I'm at dead center because like mm. I'd like to think that um, I only eat foods that I actually like, but actually the foods that I like tend to be nutritious. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't and mean... it's like we do have foods in our diet that aren't necessarily you know, straight away you think, oh, nutrition, like I said, like a piece of cake. Totally. But I don't feel good just eating cake all day. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. It kind of I comes... also don't feel good just eating broccoli all day. <laughs> exactly. It kind of comes back to that principle of intuitive eating that we do seek out the foods. Like when you take all restrictions out, you do seek out the foods that tend to make you feel the best, which actually tend to be a bit healthier, even though you actually still enjoy the taste. Definitely. And actually, this is something I work on with clients is... I, I kind of say, take the nutrition out of it initially, kind of like pretend that all foods are equal. What 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 do you want? You know, what foods do you enjoy? How do you enjoy eating them? And it's, it's difficult to take that out, but maybe that should be like a little challenge everyone should do. Think about what you eat in a day and pretend that all food has the same nutritional value. What would you choose to eat? Yeah, like just thinking about that, I would probably choose. It's weird because I think that sometimes we have too much knowledge and sometimes yeah. that can, like, play in That's our heads. The that is the problem. That's why people are so confused. There's just so much information out there. But I was just kind of thinking about that. Like, take all nutrition out of it. What would I eat for breakfast? I would still, 9 out of 10 times, still have, like, a piece of toast with avocado, eggs, and smoked salmon, which is, like, my go-to. But I think that with the nutrition, I kind of see, oh, okay, I have my protein and my healthy fats and fiber and things like that so it's it's weird because my mind still kind of subconsciously comes back to like a balanced plate um but that is just inherent into the food that I would actually choose yeah so let's throw the question in what if you are trying to actively improve your health maybe you're kind of aware that you're not eating as many fruit and veg as you would like to in a day or you know I don't know adding in maybe you're not eating your omega-3s and you're aware of the fact that you should add some omega-3 foods into your diet. How would you kind of navigate that? I think that's such a good question. This is what I kind of ask myself all the time is like when you introduce new foods, especially for children, like you're not always going to like the taste Mm -hmm. and it's kind of that multiple exposure points. And then it's, it's almost that idea of like getting used to it. Like no kid just automatically loves broccoli. Yeah. But, you know, you you expose that child to it multiple times and all of a sudden, you know, they kind of grow accustomed to it. But is that, that's kind of the opposite of my original argument. So I think it's it's such a a difficult thing. It's important to state as well that we know that the more variety and diversity we have in our diet, the better. There's quite a large body of research to support that. So it's good to try new foods. And maybe don't accept on the first go. If you don't like it, then you're not, you're never going to like it. Yeah. Like I said, maybe play around with different ways to incorporate it. Yeah, that's a really good idea. And actually thinking about the omega-3 example, um, like when I first met Mark, he didn't eat fish. And now he is like obsessed with salmon. But it definitely has to be cooked a certain way that he likes it. Somewhere like yeah. Asian style, like I make it with like garlic and ginger and oyster sauce and soy sauce. Um, and that's like his favorite and now he really likes the taste of salmon but it it definitely came from that flavoring so uh, it's hard to pair things that you don't like but you know are good for nutrition with the flavorings that you do like so then you kind of 
grow to like it yeah exactly and I like using the example of like big dishes like say pasta dishes or like quinoa bakes which we both love yes um, and just adding in different new um, ingredients to enhance like not just the taste but like the texture of it and like the kind of satisfaction factor because the more kind of ingredients you have in there one the more diversity and two you're going to feel more satisfied afterwards whereas if you just literally had like and a quinoa and a piece of fish or chicken it's probably not going to be as satisfying as if you add like you know veggies some olive oil salt, salt and pepper yeah definitely um I completely agree with that and just thinking back to your childhood were there any foods that you really disliked that now you love literally everything <laughs> <laughs> I literally grew up on like chicken nuggets and chips so when you started to incorporate that, was that out of a negative place of like, I really need to just do this for health or was it not satisfaction, but over time it became satisfaction? So my mum would always make sure we had vegetables on our plate and I literally grew up eating broccoli and carrots. They were like the two veg that I'd eat every day, but they were just like boiled. So okay. I didn't necessarily eat them because I enjoyed them. Like my mum put them on my plate and I was told that they were good for me. So I ate them kind of thing. Whereas now I literally can't remember the last time I boiled my broccoli and carrots. Like I'm I'll always roast them yeah. or add them to a stir fry, steam sometimes, but I just prefer them when they're a bit more like crispy and flavoured. <laughs> yeah um I forgot what your question was no just like as children because I think I had like a really weird childhood um where my mom was a chef and like we had this amazing vegetable garden in our backyard and I never actually remember being like forced to eat vegetables or I never actually remember my mom saying eat your vegetables they're healthy they were just part of the plate as was rice or pasta like it was just a food group that I loved and I didn't actually know much about, like, health and nutrition. Like, when I was really young, my mom just, like, instilled that I liked those foods anyways. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And I grew up eating the most esoteric food because it was never it was never put to me in the sense that you have to eat this because it's healthy. It was just, eat this, you're really going to like it. And I did. Mm-hmm. And then I never yeah. felt kind of forced. And then my perception didn't really change until I was in high school and weight became more apparent. Yeah, I feel like I'm such a bad example because, like, my brothers and sister are not fussy eaters at all. I don't know why I just grew up with the most, like, boring taste palette. Like, I just didn't like any foods. And it was frustrating because, like, mums used to hate having me around for tea because (laughs) I just never used to eat anything. Um, And I guess, like, when I got to, like, the age of 18, I was like, this is actually getting in the way of my life. Like, I can't go out for dinner because I don't like anything on the menu. So I kind of just had to, like... I, you know, I didn't try baked beans till I was 18 because I didn't like sauce. That is crazy. I didn't. I've never bloody tried it. <laughs> but, like, to be honest, I never had baked beans till I moved here because they don't really exist in America. Oh, okay. Well, so. they're, like, a massive English staple. Totally. Like, it's unheard of that someone hasn't tried them till, like, the age of 18. But I remember trying them being like, oh, it's not actually that bad. So, like, I got over my fear of sauces. Yeah. Like, all my food had to be dry and plain with no flavour. Even as, like, a kid? Yeah, literally. My mum said that, like, I used to spit out food because, like, if it was, like, sauced or, like, if it had lumps in it, like, if it had a different flavour That's, like, a very, um, like, texturally, like, ARFID style. Yes, I do. I think it was some sort... I don't know what it was. I'd never really gone into it, to be honest. But, yeah, it wasn't bloody normal. And it did get (laughs) in the way of my life. Um, so yeah, when I got to 18, I got over my fear of sauces and I started adding flavors to my food 
um I never like dreamed of eating how like the diversity that I do now when I was like 18 so I'm still quite fussy like I don't like cold foods if that makes sense like I, I think know. they should be hot <laughs> but like your hot food is different to like normal hot food like yours is like Super has hot. to burn your mouth like you're yeah I like my food very hot like I like my food hot too but like I actually think there's no worse sensation than like burning the roof of your mouth it on doesn't food. burn my mouth though I think I just have like a high tolerance for hot foods what about like if you drink something that's like too hot does it burn ever? yeah that burns my mouth yeah okay yeah that's like the worst feeling in the world yeah oh my god ruins the rest of like everything the drink yeah um but I didn't I don't think I tried hummus until I was 22 because it was a cold food. Wow. But I know. You like soups? Yeah. Okay. But, I, I'm, again, I'm, like, fussy with them. Yeah, I knew that there was something that you were, like, fussy yeah. about with them. I like, um, I love, like, tomato, lentil, kind of, like, I don't know how to explain it. I couldn't have, like, a chunky potato-y star soup. It always has to be tomato-based? Yeah. I, I feel like I was like that growing up definitely um as well I don't know why but now I kind of I literally like it's weird because I don't eat meat but I actually eat like the most wide range of foods ever and I actually don't think that my eating habits have changed since I was a kid so I eat the same foods that I eat that I did eat when I was younger um and just obviously have like grown to enjoy more foods but the foods that I eat now, kind of like the salads and the different kind of fish and things like that, are very typical meals that I was served as a kid. Mm. So I think that's I think interesting. It, it, I was going to say, I think it's such an interesting journey, regardless of like how you grew up and what foods you ate, to actually getting to know your palate and like your taste buds. I think it's interesting anyway. <laughs> no, I do. And I, I, I definitely think taste can evolve. Yeah, oh, 100%. Ash always says that because he has recently, probably like in the last year, he loves red wine and he yeah. never ever liked it before. And to be honest, I didn't drink wine at all until maybe the summer. Yeah, I remember it was when you were in France with your family, yeah. right? You were like, I'm drinking wine. <laughs> I know. I was like, this is going to be the year. The year of the wine. <laughs> I enjoy the taste of a fine wine. <laughs> yeah, I do think it's funny and I, I actually always think when I cook Mark like something that's like meat I'm always I always try it I'm so weird yeah, I like so weird. and I'm like <laughs> one day will I want to eat it and Mark's like why would you want to like he's like you eat a, such a nice well-balanced meat like diversity of foods now you enjoy the way you eat like why do you think that like oh one day maybe I'll start to incorporate again like what benefit does it offer me and I, I have no answer to that but I'm always just yeah. like oh maybe one day I'll like it again and then I'll try it and incorporate it not for nutrition though just for taste just like, like flexibility and yeah but that would just be yeah. solely for taste but right now I actually don't like the that meaty gamey flavor I think it's called mm. like umami I really don't like it I've never heard that word before. Oh, it cool. means it's like savory. It's like one of the one of the senses. It's like sweet, sour, salty, something, oh, yeah, something yeah. umami. Yeah. But yeah, I don't like it, so that's why I don't eat it. But I don't know. Maybe one day I'll be eating. I don't know if I could ever picture myself eating a burger because I literally never had one in my life. But who knows? No, with the I don't like burgers. Who I knows? The... <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I think the best thing we can do though 
is to kind of, if you feel like you're at one end of the spectrum, either like purely for taste or purely for nutrition, is kind of find your way to meet in the middle and accept that sometimes you're going to choose meals purely based on the taste. And sometimes you might just think, I feel like my body needs a bit of like a micronutrient boost and I'm going to have, have, I don't know, more salad or more veg on my plate than I usually would. Totally. And I think that I always use that example of like coming home from like vacation. So probably when I was on vacation or on holiday, I ate solely for taste. And then when I get home, I'm kind of like, oh my God, I really just want like something that's nutritious and balanced because I was literally just eating, you know, cheese for seven days straight. So I do think it is that spectrum and you're never going to be fixed on one spot. It's always going to kind of shift from one end to the other. Definitely. And I think the way, you know, people are struggling with like trying to find that balance it sounds really like boring, but like try as hard as you can to just listen to what your body's asking you for and just try and just, like I said, maybe initially just take away all that information that you have in your head and pretend that all food is equal because to a degree it, it, you know, it is and it should be. Yeah. Um, and maybe listen to our initial intuitive eating episode. Um, yeah. With some helpful pointers, but we do, it, it's so important to eat for taste as well. And so many people at the moment are still driven by like the calorie content of the food or how healthy they think it is. Um, like food is every day. There's no getting away from it. We need it to survive. So if it's not enjoyable, then you're probably leading quite a miserable life. Yeah. I think like the big take home message for me is that, you know, you should prioritize both like you should be eating foods that you enjoy the taste of but also you know they should offer you some sort of like feel good kind of benefit whether that's like strictly from nutrition or what else um and I do think like it's a give and a take it's an ebb and a flow like sometimes it's going to be all about taste and sometimes it's all going to be about nutrition but I don't I think if you sit on one side of the spectrum for too long something might be off definitely yeah. I, I feel like I don't really want to bring this up, but I'm going to because... Yeah. No, it's just like when you said um, just really listening to your body and what you what you want. I, I completely agree with that statement. Like, I do that to a T every single day. But part of me just really, like, doesn't understand if everyone else knows what that means. And I think people can totally use that as a guise for disordered eating. And that's, like, the thing I still struggle with, with the intuitive eating movement, is that someone would be like... It's trying to identify those two voices in your head, and if you have struggled with an eating disorder or some form of disordered eating, you are going to have two voices in your head, one telling you that you shouldn't eat, you know, the piece of chocolate cake, and one saying, oh, go for it, kind of thing. So it's, I guess, initially, if you're not at the point where you can just listen to your body, which a lot of people aren't at, yeah, um, exactly. you do need to, to take it back and strip it back and ask yourself what the issue is. Ask yourself what sort of food rules you have and why they're there, why they've developed, why you believe them, um, and start there. Yeah, I think it's just because maybe like on social media, I've just seen so many people say like, oh, I'm listening to my body. I've cut out gluten. I've cut out dairy. I feel so much better. This, yeah, oh God, no, this, that is, this is how my body feels. Like I just run so well and just a celery juice. It makes me feel like so positive. And I think that is the 
like misinterpretation of the original message that I find so frustrating and I still struggle with because I think it's so easily misinterpreted. Do you know what really annoys me is when I think we all know Courtney Kardashian lives a gluten-free lifestyle and she yes. claims she feels great on it. Fine, if she feels great on it or whatever, but she kind of like, she's so judgmental of people who eat gluten and it's like there's no research to back yeah. up that gluten is bad for you. Or, if you don't you know, have an intolerance or allergy yeah, oh, yeah, obviously if you're celiac then yeah. you know you can't have gluten but she it just annoys me every i feel like she, there's not one kardashian episode that she doesn't bring up the fact that she's gluten-free totally Gluten- and that's damaging because it's fine if she feels better doing it but don't kind of preach about it as if like oh you should do it too because it's going to be really good good for you yeah, I totally agree. I think that everyone has different food choices and we can't judge people for their food choices um, and we can't expect them to adopt ours. Exactly. It's like that would be, it would be so irresponsible of me, irresponsible of me to be like, oh, you know, I don't eat meat and I feel amazing doing it, so you should cut out meat too. Like, that would be so irresponsible and I would never say that and I don't believe that either because I have plenty of clients that you know have meat in their diets and you know they're healthy and they thrive off of it yeah I do feel a bit hypocritical though because I definitely have judged Mark for his eating choices and have (laughs) definitely tried to change that and get him to eat more the way I do um, but I think there's a difference between trying to make people cut things out of their diet versus add things in. Totally. That's what I was going to say. And I'm glad that you um, kind of understood where I was going to go with that. But yeah, so I'm not saying he can't have XYZ. I'm just saying, oh, maybe you want to try a carrot or a spinach or Yeah, any. that's what I'm like with Ash. I try and add in some like veggie and plant-based options. Um, and he does really enjoy my pastas that I make. I feel like I go on about my pastas quite a lot. But it's okay. I go on about my knitting. <laughs> I go on about my knitting and here Wool and the gang is sponsoring the podcast. So keep going on about your pastas and we might get a big pasta brand on the podcast yeah. one day. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so it's all good. Um, so we did ask our Instagram followers some questions, which I thought were interesting. I definitely didn't word my question well. I got weird responses but um, okay um you go I got quite a few questions um so you go through yours and then we'll go through mine okay I'm just pulling it up so I definitely um meant, yeah I definitely just meant to ask people like what question like what questions you have but I ended up asking them like what do you prefer more taste or um nutrition quality so I got some really interesting answers I went through read through all of them but I'll read through some of the ones that I thought were worth mentioning. Yeah. So a lot of them were taste, taste. Someone said they focus on calories. Someone said they do both. Some said both. It's a false dichotomy. Um, so like you can have both um, taste mostly, though I try to consider nutrition too. I think that's like the great, I like I that one. I love that, yeah. Um, and then both equally, but right now my priority is weight loss, so nutrition is a bit more in focus nutrition but taste is also important so I try to get both in at all times which I love it has to be yummy and tasty and then um one of the answers was from my mom Fran hi mom hi Fran and she wrote you never have to sacrifice one for the other you grew up eating delicious food you never knew was healthy until you were older and I like actually couldn't agree more with that and I said that before like I had no idea that I was eat- I was choosing to eat a salad every day when I was younger because I just loved it. 
And I think she'll she'll find this funny, or I find it funny looking back on it. But like you know, when you were younger, did you did you get a packed lunch for school, or did you eat at yeah. school? Packed lunch. Yeah, same. So I never. I always like was really picky with like because my mom's a chef. I like wouldn't eat things that like I didn't think were up to the standard. I was like a so, snob. Like, a standard sandwich wasn't going to cost it. No, and so <laughs> I actually. This is the funny part. I don't like. I didn't like sandwiches when I was younger. Oh, I- hate sandwiches and yeah so I never ate them and every day I'd get a Greek yogurt with granola and fresh berries and like whatever like into it and that was like my main protein source for my lunch and my dad would make these like yogurt parfaits and I was like eight and every kid had like their peanut butter and jelly sandwich and I just had this like fresh yogurt parfait and I didn't think that there was anything weird with it but that was actually the food that I loved and I craved and looking looking back it's so funny and then one time I went to a diner with my parents and for some reason I was just craving a sandwich I really wanted one but I didn't know how to order it because I never eaten one and it's most embarrassing thing but I literally asked the waitress I was like can I have some fresh turkey in between two slices of bread and she was like do you mean a sandwich and I was like (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, one of those. I just really didn't even, like, it wasn't something I ever ate because I never liked it. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So what kind of questions did you get? Um, Okay. So the first one is, how do I balance eating until I'm satisfied but reducing calories, especially on the days that I'm less active? It's, like, such a hard question because I Mm. think... I don't... I don't, it's hard to answer in this situation when we don't really know the whole story. I mean, the, the kind of non-diet nutritionist in me will say, eat until you're satisfied, like, regardless of how much exercise you've done that day, like, you should be eating until you're satisfied, um, and I would put calorie counting on the back burner. Yeah, I would say that I agree with that and don't dictate your food don't dictate your food choices based on the amount of activity or the calories that you burnt. You never earn food. Food is there for you to enjoy and don't 100%. and don't change that based off your exercise. Exercise is complementary, but they're not a give and a take like you're supposed to eat and then if you do exercise great, if you don't great kind yeah. of thing. Totally. Um, is whole milk bad for you? No. <laughs> whole milk is actually <laughs> really so, so healthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very nutritious. Um, I've been suffering with binge eating in quarantine. How do I stop? Um, I would recommend listening to our previous episode. Yeah, and I would recommend getting a knitting kit as a new form of distraction. Definitely. Um, how do you decide what to eat and not assign morals to it? Ooh, I think this comes with so much practice and guidance from a professional if this is something you're struggling with. A hundred percent. And I would recommend, um, exploring intuitive eating. Agreed. Um, does the nutritional value in food decrease when you reheat food? So... The value of food will change with heat as like heat one can kill. So a lot of nutrients are heat unstable. So meaning that they kind of die with heat or some proteins start to denature with heat. That's normal. I wouldn't say anything is like super significant that you have to worry about it. No, definitely not. Um, 
it's like like you said like when you boil some veg it will lose some of its nutritional value but also when you do heat some veg it's easier for the digestive system to absorb those nutrients so in terms of reheating a dish from like the day before I really wouldn't worry I wouldn't worry about it at all and I think that again comes back down to satisfaction versus nutrition like are you not going to eat something because you're worried about it losing some nutrients when you actually want to eat it like eat it and if you're worried about that one maybe that's something that you need to chat with a professional about but you can also just like grab an apple definitely yeah balance it yeah (laughs) if you're that worried um I don't really like green tea but I drink it because I think it's good for me this is the whole argument yeah so I would say I would assume you think green tea is good for you because of its high antioxidant um kind of yeah the fact it's high in antioxidants so you can find other foods that are high in antioxidants if that's the sole reason you're drinking it I would always say to someone don't ever force yourself to eat or drink something you genuinely don't like I couldn't agree more like food and just the taste is such a powerful sensation and one that is just like so enjoyable like there's nothing better than eating or drinking something that you like love exactly so why like sorry I'm saying like a million times I like hair mark in my head stop saying like um so why would you deprive yourself of that experience and kind of force something upon you that you wouldn't normally choose if you took the question of nutrition out of it like you said before yeah definitely I think if it's a different kind of argument when you want to explore new you know you want to broaden your kind of food world and you want to include more foods into your diet if you don't like the taste of something initially don't be like oh I don't like it I'm going to give up like explore new ways to enjoy it um and then if you find that you actually don't that's fine yeah I completely agree like I think that maybe trying a food and then if you figure out, you know what, I don't like this, don't force it upon yourself. You can always revisit it at a later date and maybe you just need to find the right dish that it goes with. But it's not a bad thing if you don't like nutritious foods, but you should never like force yourself to eat something that you genuinely don't like the taste of. Like if it's making you gag, don't eat it. Yeah, oh my god, definitely. Do you have any foods like off the top of your head that like you could not eat? Um, white sauce. I don't like anything in a white sauce. I don't know why it makes me feel so ill. And you don't like cucumbers? No, I really don't like cucumbers. Like, even when you go to, like, cafes and they've got, like, water for the table and they've had cucumbers soaking in them, it just... I, I, I can't explain it. It's almost like my throat. Like, I picture it so that when I eat food, my throat is, like, nice and smooth and it, like, accepts the food. When it's, like, a cucumber, it almost, like, flips on me and it, like, turns inside out. That is, you know, I'm not judging because each to their own, but that is so weird. <laughs> I know. It's, it's frustrating because I would love to be able to, like, be like, oh, you know, I'm not that keen on it, but I'll drink it anyway kind of thing. But it's honestly just, I'm just like, oh. It, <laughs> it causes that, like, visceral reaction. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. So definitely don't force yourself to eat cucumbers. Like, they're just water anyways, essentially. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any food that I really don't like to eat. Probably not. Um, oh, I really don't like overcooked fish. That's I love overcooked fish. 
Like I'm when I say overcooked, so like funny. I love my salmon like stir fried, so crispy, like cooked in the middle. I don't mind it crispy on the outside if you can like nail a moist inside. No, that sounds Actually, gross, but it does. Do you know what I hate is um like just raw salmon, like sushi. Oh, love. Yeah. I don't Actually, like the raw. I love salmon, but I don't like the raw salmon. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. I think it's definitely like an acquired taste and it's it's also like mind over matter, I think. Mm. When it comes to like eating something raw. I absolutely love it, but I think overcooked like fishy flavors definitely can't eat. Um other than that, I really don't think there's anything that I don't like. Do you like Marmite? No, that I don't like that. That's something I don't like. <laughs> I love Marmite. I, I don't even think I've ever properly had it. Like, I've just smelt it, and it's really put me off. Oh, my God. Actually, I might even have some today. I bloody love it. <laughs> That's so British. I think the first time I was exposed to it was when I was in sleepaway camp, and, like, some of the counselors from Australia and England would bring over Marmite and Vegemite, and I used to think it was the weirdest thing. Marmite on toast is just the best thing ever. But is it? it's probably just something that you grew up with. So it's really... Yeah, that's true. Like, my mum loves it. My sister loves it. Like, all of my mum's side of the family love it. My dad hates it. <laughs> the smell can, like, totally put me off. Um... I know what you mean, but I think, like you said, because I've grown up with it, it doesn't, like, affect me. I do know that it has a weird smell, but it doesn't put me off. Yeah, that makes sense. A good source of B12. <laughs> that's true. I'll, um, get my B12 from some other sources. Then. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, amazing. Is there anything else that we should talk about when it comes to kind of like taste versus nutrition or what do you value more in food? I think like we said, both is so important. And, you know, over the years I, I do, I've got habits that like when I have like a yogurt bowl, I normally sprinkle some flaxseed on, but you can't really taste it in all honesty. But in my head, I'm like, Okay, it's a bit like an added bit of nutrition. I don't eat a lot of fish, so it's like a bit more omega-3. Yeah, I think it's just like forming habits that you're comfortable with and that you find value in. Yeah, I think it's such a difficult conversation because I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, oh, I'm going to add some chia seeds onto my yogurt for some extra fiber on omega-3s. But you're not saying, oh, every meal... I have to eat has to be like full jam packed with the nutrients so I think it's a difficult one to say one is better than the other like I said it's always going to be a mix of both but it's not bad for choosing nutrition and it's not bad for choosing health but if you solely do one or the other that's where I think the issue comes in yeah I think it's you know you can do you can choose one at one meal and one at the other if, if you know if you're okay with that and it, it doesn't even have to be super conscious like you don't have to be like okay this meal is going to be really nutritious and then the next one I'm just going to have something I just want the flavor of like it's just finding that kind of I always picture that spectrum and then just like kind of going up and down it as and when you see fit exactly and I think ultimately it's just going to be an unconscious decision like I don't even choose foods for I don't think I choose foods for nutrition but I think I subconsciously choose foods that are nutritious if that makes sense so I think that's like kind of the ultimate goal for the majority of your meals and then you're always going to have like the extremes just mixed in I think if you you always kind of 
consciously make sure that you're getting a nice variety of foods you're probably always going to be fine in terms of nutrition because the more variety the more kind of diverse range of nutrients you're getting anyway yeah but I think the big take-home message I want to say is nutrition is important but it's not everything there's so much more to food than nutrition definitely I think that's a great point to leave it on amazing is I feel like this is one of our shorter episodes. Is there anything else that you want to say, talk about, anything? I don't think so. All right, me either. Well, thank you guys for tuning in, and please rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Instagram at Forking Wellness. Yeah, thanks, guys, and uh, order your knitting kits. <laughs> oh, yeah, order your knitting kits and tag us and show us what you get. Yeah, let us know if anyone actually takes up knitting, because we'd love to hear. Yes. All right, amazing. Bye, guys. Bye.